Welcome to the first ever Minicoop, where we talk about one game or series we're super passionate about. My name is Chris, and I am joined by the quail and the kiwi, Kelsey and Anthony. Wow. I think that's what <laughs> noise a kiwi would make. Are you sure? It sounds like it's dying. It does. Even that sounded like it was dying. Alright, that's fine. You can have it. You can have it. <laughs> Whatever. I it's can keep dying. going. It's a dying yeah. world. I got you're plenty of you're literally bird fine. Noises. Relax. Relax. Okay. There's... there's Remind me, there are birds in Horizon Zero. We have had this conversation several times. Several times, several times. There are absolutely birds because the only thing that you need to think of is when you have to you have to kill wildlife in order to collect on their stuff. You part of it is like there are owls that you kill, like. But of course, just like real life, they're actually government surveillance devices. Are you gonna actually like take this seriously or? No, we don't have to. We have fun with this. Okay, this all right, all right. This is all good. Just a little, just a mini amount of. Fun. I just have to body check him every once in a while. <laughs> it's okay. It's totally fine. <laughs> you got to keep the um, lid. Keep the lid. The lid, 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 lid. Um, welcome everyone. This is a new thing, a completely uh side sides project thing that I'm working on here, uh, and that will all the all the co-hosts of the game coop will be helping me with, uh, called the mini coop. And essentially, what it is is that we're gonna just instead of talking about a wide variety of games under a specific topic, we're gonna talk about one game or maybe one series, uh, that you know we really want to deep dive into, dedicate a full episode to. And these will be shorter. They're not gonna be the two hours that you usually expect. This will probably be even less than one hour, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and the first episode. I decided to bring Kelsey and Anthony on because uh, these two, these these uh, these evil people that that forced me, held me down, and made me play <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, no. Kelsey bought me the game, and she really wanted me to play because it it's one of her favorite games of all time. And I got to experience it last year, and we'll talk about we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but. I was, I, and with Horizon Forbidden West around the corner, it felt like, uh, why not sit down and just talk about the game and what we're excited about the for the new game, but specifically go back and talk about everything about the old game as well. Uh, for people who have not played the game, just so you know, we are going to be going deep into spoilers at some point in the episode. I will give a warning ahead of time when we do that, uh, but for now, we're going to try to keep it spoiler light in the start of the episode. But... Before we even get into the game itself, the first thing I want to touch on and ask you guys about specifically is, uh, and I, I guess I'll start here with Anthony, because I think Anthony was the maybe the first one that knew of this game's existence. I'm assuming. I could be wrong. Um, what was your first exposure to Horizon uh, Zero Dawn? Sure. So I was having one of my many E3 watch parties, um, E3 2015. And um, me and Nick, who is still one of my good friends, uh, we were just completely blown away by the concept of Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, E3 a lot of times is a little, it can be a little um, funny in ways, but every so often you see like a real glimmer of a game that just stands out and you're like, oh my god, I can't wait until I learn more about this game. And Horizon Zero Dawn was just one of those games for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kelsey, what was your first exposure? So, like many um, E3s that Anthony experiences, he sees a couple of things that 
he will try to uh, influence in my corner um, because I am chronically somebody who refuses to play games outside of what I already love. Um, it takes a lot for me to try new things or consider other games because uh, it just feels like a chore. So um, I, in in the games that I've previously played, I uh, pretty much play RPGs and I almost always play like an archer of some kind if I have the ability to do so. So the game mechanics that were displayed in the trailer uh, and the fact that it just looked beautiful. I'm very picky with my games. Like they need to look gorgeous and this did so anthony was like you should look into this game and he sent me you know information but i i feel like i specifically remember with this game in particular in leading up to when it actually came out um the few you know trailers i believe were shown over the course of a few different announcements you know Mm -hmm. like even if it debuted at e3 you know you have the game specific the company specific stuff that comes out and every time anthony would be like look this is the game and i was like what game (laughs) <laughs> like every like chronically i could not like commit to memory what the hell he was talking about um and then eventually i believe this is at least one of the original instances of the game coming out um it was a playstation exclusive so at the time we were living um in a situation where anthony had his little computer set up and i would play on the tv but then sometimes he would play on the tv and so he was playing i think he was playing first you can correct me if i'm wrong um horizon and i was like oh let me try it and then i just completely took over and i didn't let him i didn't get back um and i essentially had him watch me play the entire game and then i'd be like why aren't you aren't you gonna finish rise of zero dawn and he's like i literally i i i watched you like there's nothing else for me to play i watched you do the whole thing i watched it through the end what am i gonna do so it took him a while to finish it because of that um but oh, I, was, it, I was actually gonna ask like if he ended up ever actually going back to it. i forced him to I forced him to play the ending and he was like I fucking I know what this is like I know what the ending is but I'm gonna do it Um, I just because it's funny when you were like these evil people who forced me to play the game no 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 Anthony would be like Chris you should play this or he's he's pretty bad about Pokemon Go I was like I bought it I sent it to you I was like I will curse your firstborn if you do not play this game right now (laughs) like I was like you don't understand like I will write you out of the inheritance I swear to god like play the fucking game um so and it really for me it was there's just so many boxes that it filled um which is why we desperately made everybody play it yeah, and that, yeah, that brings us to last last year. Uh, I don't know how early I decided to do like the one hundred games in a year thing, but I know that I was playing a lot more games starting around that time. And at some point, uh, during especially during that time, I think you were just saying that like you really need to you really need to try Horizon. Like, I really think that you should try it. It's such a good story. And I was extremely hesitant, as I am with, like, a lot of these things. But you ended up getting it from me. And I was just like, all right, let's just do it. I have the game now. Let's just let's just see. And, I, yeah, one of my just favorite game experiences 
just because of uh well ju- not just because of the game i think it was just fun the sitting on call and uh you know experience the game while you were like like li- either listening in or i actually was able to stream it at times to you uh and as you watched watched me play through it um, well yeah it was really like the first part of our because for context in case anybody years from now hope you know fingers crossed the pandemic is a long forgotten memory and they're yeah. listening back this was the first you know we're talking about the essentially the first winter through which we were i had just moved out of living at home we didn't yep. see each other often anymore and so it became a um and we're very close you know we're best friends so it became a thing where it was like a bonding thing and something we could sit and do together where it became the first game where it was really like all right what are you doing all right let's get on call stream it i'm gonna watch and it was like we were able to play together so this is a very sentimental thing for me too because it was a way for us to adapt and survive through this you know what felt like a world ending phenomenon and that's very very parallel to the game itself right i was gonna say yeah this like is, so wow. so it was it's a very like full circle moment for me um and something that i really cherished so yeah it it, it and I, yeah, I, I, I just really, really loved, like, being able to kind of, like, have you sit there as I experienced a lot of those beats, uh, listening to me cry at the end, uh, but listening also to me, <laughs> uh, but, like, even, like, some of the really crazy plot twists, and we'll get into that, like, that was always so, like, insane and and so it was it was it was so much fun and kind of really i actually I, the one the twist that i have in mind i don't even know if i was on call for uh but we'll get to that when we uh when we talk about story spoilers let's talk about the game itself now uh, so just real quick i'm gonna pull uh directly from uh the uh synopsis on the horizon wiki here uh as in terms of a write-up uh, that kind of talks about uh, the just the general gist of what this game is. So Horizon Zero Dawn takes place in the 31st century in a post-apocalyptic world where colossal machines dominate the land. Human civilization has regressed to tribal societies of hunters and gatherers who survive in immense forests, imposing mountain ranges and the atmospheric ruins of their ancestors, all while the machines become in- increasingly powerful. The player controls Aloy, a huntress who uses her speed, cunning, and agility to stay alive and protect her tribe against the force size and the power of the machines the, the, the game features uh mystical and mythical elements um so that is very surface level synopsis of the story uh very very surface level it's not going to did i even scratch the surface yeah. what it actually is. and like just before we go like too deep on anything else because this kind of relates to my initial digestion of the game was yeah. that what was so unique to it seemed to be this like idea that you were watching I like explicitly remember watching some of the initial trailers one one of the many times Anthony was trying to tell me what the hell was going on that it was like you were looking at this this woman who was in a very what looked like a very like tribal or indigenous setting but then all of a sudden this high-tech machine animal would blow past her and it was you were left with this juxtaposition of like wait how does this how is this world what like because it looked very much like earth but it looked like it had had been pre-colonial in ways you know and then so futuristic so it was like they roped me in with the first really with like the the game the the visuals 
is what really like brings you to the game is it looks absolutely gorgeous but then this like mystery and then the fact that the narrative was something that you had to unfold as you played is what keeps you yeah. like it, it brings you in by how polished it is but then really from the minute from the first you know 20 25 minutes of the game you were like sucked in by the narrative that they start to build yeah and, and a lot of the gameplay was like from the moment that you end up taking control of Aloy you and and this is not this is not really huge spoilers you get it you you you, you play as this... Aloy in case that you weren't yeah you know. <laughs> right right as as, <laughs> as I was already stated but like you play as like uh like young Aloy you play like a I I want to say she was like six or seven like the first time you actually take control of her I I don't even know what how old she was uh, but like you, you, you take a control of her pretty early on in her life for like a brief time, um, and you end up seeing you the, the game. The mechanics of the game are really taught to you there, and a lot of what this game is is exploring and trying to understand the world. It is a lot of trying to learn and try to process what is it like to live in the world that is, uh, that is what it is now. Plus the fact that now there's these machines that are kind of inhabited in the same time. Um, I, it, it was, it, it really is just one of those things that you're like, ha, like it's hard to kind of process in your mind. Like you said, Kels, like it's, it's like one of those like, wait, how does this all kind of work? But it is, it, it's, it, the, I think the story overall does a good job over, over time kind of like explaining to you, like this is kind of how we ended up getting here. Um, and, and uh, yeah, in, in terms of like specific gameplay things, like there's quests, there's the main quest that you have to follow, but there's also side quests. Uh, there's a lot of like different exploring areas, different areas of the world that you want to explore. And I think that kind of moves into what I really wanted to talk about in terms of um, what was kind of like your guys' favorite gameplay moments. Like, I don't know if you guys have a specific thing that you guys were doing during the game that you want to talk about, or just a general, like, these types of missions are what I really like. Like, I'm curious. Uh, let's start with Anthony. Definitely one of the highlights for me were the trials. Um, so all around the map, there were like various areas where you could go and prove your proficiency hunting specific machines, using specific hunting techniques, that kind of thing. Um, and they would have you do like objectives within a short amount of time and grade you on it. And as you start accumulating all of these like awards for it, you start unlocking these really powerful variants of the weapons in the game. Um, so I love that. I love anything where you have to like kind of achieve it and accomplish it and actually get a reward for it, which feels nice. Um, and of course, in every open world game, I have to get all the collectibles. So in this one, there were all these little tiny things scattered all around the map, whether they were memories from people or whether they were like little tiny figures. Um, they had a lot of things that you could go and find. Um, and what I liked particularly about it was that they have a mechanism in-game where you can buy a map for them. And then it tells you kind of like a very fair area of where they can be found. Um, so you don't just have to like wander this map for days in real time trying to find them. Um, how about you, Kels? What were your favorite gameplay parts so i don't know because i'm i am wee beb on the idea of how these games are break down so and when christopher was like gameplay overview i had like all these narrative notes um so 
for me, when I think about the gameplay, I really was so fascinated by the interactions with everything. Like, mm-hmm. I did not like the trials. Full, full disclosure, I'm almost certain Anthony played all of them for me. Which is another reason why he dragged his own feet in playing his own game because he had fucking played the game. Um, but because I, I was very interested in like in the trials, uh, the lodge, like the hunter's lodge, that entire side quest is one of like the f- I, most entertaining things. But I was getting very intimidated by the trials themselves. Anything that has like a time limit on it, I just shit my pants. Like, I just can't. <laughs> I can't handle anything with a time limit, even in yeah. real-life scenarios. Um, even if I can do something quickly, the idea that there is a clock ticking down just makes me completely lose my shit. Um, <laughs> so, um, I really loved... I felt like all of the side quests were, like, so cool. Um, and so, like, the little things that you pick up, like, knowledge nuggets and lore nuggets that you pick up along the way. I love that there was a full catalog of, like, audiobooks, uh, audio clips and, and things like that where you would be sent on this little mission. But it was the ability to use the focus and search and seek out this interactive world with the focus that I felt was so cool um, and so well done. Um and then I just think that the full catalog of the animals, too, was just so yeah. impressive and how they uh, how it was so the, the intention was so very clear and that they were trying to very much honor what they could of what their inspirations were for these animals and creatures like the tall necks, I think, are it's one of the most fun com- uh, mechanics that I've ever seen in a game. Um I didn't experience anything else like this until I played Breath of the Wild. Uh, Breath of the Wild? Why does that sound so weird when I say it out loud? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Breath- oh my God. That sounded so weird when it came out of my face. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I just stared really hard at my desk. I was like, wait. Um, you know, and we've, we've had this conversation before where there's so many parallels to Breath of the Wild that we were like, who is selling whose secrets? Who did this? <laughs> who's who's the yep. snitch? Where's the rat? Um, but uh, I hadn't experienced that. I had played Breath of the Wild much later. Um, and, and that kind of like um, almost like probing map discovery, you know, gift that you get from scaling these tall creatures and being able to um, unlock unlock pieces of the map um, was such a cool mechanic. And then um, can I talk about like my favorite animals? This is an appropriate spot for that. Or are we going to do that later? You absolutely could. Yeah, okay, no, I, right, I, I'm, I, I'm good with that. So um, like out of all of the animals, I really, really love the stalkers the most. There was something so yes. cool about those creatures um you know and the intelligence behind them um you know we'll get more into like the narrative and the story spoilers later but all of these machines were built for a specific purpose but a good portion of them were built as war machines um and so the fact that that existed where it like stalked out its prey in in like the mechanics that they gave it to do that you know, in machine form was just so cool to me. And then also the snap maws. There was something about the snap maws that was so cool. And I, I really loved that they didn't just do land animals, but that they went into the water um, and did that kind of work too. And that's something I'm excited for them to explore further in the new game. But um, I fucking hated the glint hawks. (laughs) 
I hate the glint hawks so much. Yeah, we yeah, call them shitbirds on this on this side of the uh, the way. We we hate them here. Um, and I also didn't. <laughs> I also didn't care for the shell walkers, and I felt like they were fucking useless. Just like hot take. I don't like the shell walkers. You you're not wrong. Okay. I I I, I was like they're they're just obnoxious. They just seem like they're like they're just there. They're just like this annoying thing that you can't it's hard for you to take down. And it's like just I like, understand in in the scope of everything, I do understand what their purpose was and they were essentially sure. supply convoy. Like, and I understand that that was their point, but I did not give a flying fuck in the game. I was like, you were so <laughs> annoying. Oh my god. Like, I just hated, and I hated the, I just hated all their mechanics and everything. And mainly because they were built to be a very good opponent. Yes. Like, part of my frustration and my upset with them, same with the Glinthawks, is that they were sneaky motherfuckers to fight. And they were very mm. annoying. And as somebody who prefers to play very stealth, they would blow me out of the water every time. So, like, that's part of my frustration, too. But, like, just getting all the heat out right now. Hated the Glinthawks. <laughs> hated the Shellwalkers. And then another gameplay mechanic that I, like, wished that there was more of is, like... So you had a lot of different people that you could do side quests for and that you built a little bit of a relationship with, but there was really only one, to my memory, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you actually, like, uh, two, two. So, like, you had Eren and Varl, right? And yes. so Eren and Varl were two people that kind of served as, like, temporary companions for you. In certain missions, like, you would have to go with them on their specific mission, and they, like, ran alongside of you or fought alongside of you, and I really liked that they did that. However, and Nil, Nil was the third one, um, and he was regarding the bandit camps, but I really wished that you had more time in that kind of dynamic. I wish that you could take somebody along with you on your own adventures not unlike what you can do in like mass effect and and skyrim, skyrim. Yeah. um and i do wish that you could like have a consistent recurring follower and maybe have a bit more agency over them i don't mean i want lydia in skyrim because i mean it, lydia in uh horizon because i don't that would be annoying and it's not that game but at the same time i wish that you could like you're so alone the entire time and i think that that's partially the point she was you know, an outsider. She was, um, you know, shunned. She was a reject. Like, she is all yeah. these things. And I think that you are meant to feel alone and, like, an outsider for a lot of the gameplay. And that is even where she, like, kind of um, creates a friendship a little bit with Nil or Silence. That they are all these kind of, like, outsiders. That's why Ross is drawn, like, drawn to her. Because he was an outsider. Like, you, I, I get that that's part of it and that's the point. But at the same time, I wished that you could have that. Yeah, or even just, like, definitely. even, like, a buddy. Like a, like, a little animal buddy or something. Like, if I could have a fucking fat raccoon following me around, that'd be great. I mean, you got you. I mean, you did get to have like the mounts, right? Like the like the different, uh, like the broad. I think broadheads were one of them. Uh, the striders uh, were also there. Like yeah, so but it didn't feel. It, it didn't feel. It didn't feel like it, they were. They they weren't like these companions that were permanent necessarily. They kind of were. You kind of just made, yeah. They were temporary solutions to traveling and sometimes combat where they kind of take part in that as well. And it's not like. I'm not, like, devastated that this isn't a part of the game, and I don't necessarily expect them to change it moving forward either, but yeah. it is something that I felt like 
I really liked Nil's character. I liked mm-hmm. that he was kind of like a nut. I liked that he was a bloodthirsty murderer and that he liked to pick off the bandits. And I kind of would have liked if he was able to join me for a longer period of time or on non-bandit specific missions. But yeah. whatever. <laughs> what um, but th- those um, were like my favorite gameplay like components. Yeah, I, I for me you you brought up the tall necks. I think that was my favorite part of the game. As someone who enjoys like platformers and also just discovering things, like it's the, specifically when I say platformers, like the the goal of the tall necks is the fact that you are trying to figure out okay how do I get on top of this thing, and it's kind of surveying the land around the tall deck that it's walking, and kind of like okay I see a cliffside here that I might be able to jump off and like land where I kind of get on this thing's back and then crawl up its neck to get to the top, um and then it's the fact that you get to unlock it and then you get to see this whole you see the map and the clouds kind of like part with the uh in, in on the map uh that you were that you looked down on um and you get to see more of the world like i think that was that to me like those were some of the more satisfying moments and i enjoyed even after the fact where you get to propel down i i i get sad when i'm i accidentally just jump off the thing and forget to propel down because it's a really cool effect of when you propel down off the tall neck you see this this explosion happen and it's like oh my god like this it's like broadcasting something to kind of like give you this signal and the, the first the time is like straight up magical oh yeah the oh, first 1, time you experience that is well, like these, so cool you well, know these tall necks they're they're bigger than life like they're 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 the, the biggest you know like machine in the game kind of uh i mean obviously there are some that like start to kind of rival it later but they're the only ones that like never directly like go after you either like they're no they're completely just... they serve their role everybody yes. had a role and yeah. their role was to have this kind of eye in the sky surveillance of the area yeah so i i, I really love the tall necks um but you also brought up the bandit camps like those those were so much fun to clear out it's just i i'm like I notoriously have talked about it that I'm not a big combat person, don't really like fighting things, but there is something satisfying when playing on story mode, of course, uh, where I, you could just clear out those camps. Oh, you turned some of those guys into shish kebab. Like you were, uh, yes. you, you were into it. You were like, yeah, and you'd like just, yeah, oh, yeah. it's, it's skewer when, <laughs> when you, when you can just plow through enemies without much resistance, it's extremely satisfying. Yeah. Like it just, it just feels good. And those, so the, a lot of those were a lot of satisfying. I would say though, like if I'm picking like the, best moments of the game it's the cauldrons i like going deep into those areas and kind of learning about and seeing like the making of these machines is it was wild the final like boss at the end of each of those cauldrons uh that were like these like uh stronger variants of like some of the bigger robots that you end up facing uh in the game is uh, really cool um and it's just like these really interesting deep dives into the game's lore um and each cauldron was like vastly different from the next like they, there is some they, a lot of them had like a similar vibe of like this this is a very like futuristic looking cavern uh but there are some that like i think one of the cauldrons i thought was very interesting was that it was one that was like kind of like invaded with like bandits and like i had like like a like an internal like cave foresty area where you had like to fight bandits to kind of get through the cauldron i thought was really interesting um if i yeah, well that that wasn't the only like people inhabited cauldron like also yeah. 
in parts of the game where you learn more about where Aloy comes from, like you, you know, or even after the proving, you wake up mm-hmm. deep in a cauldron that has been taken over by the matriarchs. Um, oh, you know what? Realize... I never actually put that together. That 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 was that whole, that was that would be considered. A no, cauldron. that's also a cauldron. I mean, yeah. and that's and then there's also cauldrons that don't produce machines. Yeah. As we learn later, I don't want to like talk too much about the narrative before we get yes. to do a deep dive. But yeah, like, we're almost there anyway. On that front. Yeah, but like, I mean, there's the cauldrons that like produce people. Like, that's a whole yeah. part of the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's wild. It is. It is. It, it, it's really interesting to kind of learn about. Like, see those parts of like to me when what what this game's strength is 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 is, is, is explore exploration there is some I, I think criticism to the game where they felt like the world felt empty and i just could not disagree more with that i felt how like, do you say that yeah i don't i don't understand that there is there is people that genuinely i think in like i i think of that and i compare it to breath of the wild and people are like well Bre- people like love breath of the wild but i think parts of breath of the wild are would be considered empty in in, in, the, in those regards but i don't think emptiness is necessarily a bad thing sometimes you need the break <laughs> sometimes you need mm-hmm. like that moment of like peace of like okay there's nothing happening we're good you know like we can just kind of relax and kind of just stroll along here yeah. I I love the biomes. I love the I I, I just loved the like, biomes were so cool. Lo- I, I love just exploring yeah. the space a lot as well. Anthony, what was your favorite biome? Um, so my favorite biome, I love the ones where you can see where civilization used to be, like the ones where it's like the shells of buildings, and you just see like all the ivy that's climbing all over them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think they did a good job of kind of representing, like, a lot of the biomes that you would expect to see. Like, Arctic, desert, forest, that kind of stuff. The real um, tropical, think, like, jungles were, like, so cool. They really were. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, th- I, think, I think really, like, my favorite parts of the game were the civilizations, because I think those they did a really good job with like blending those civilizations in with like the rest of the rest of the environment um uh i thought that those were really really interesting and uh just uh yeah it just just a really really amazing immersive world that this that this you know, the gorilla games really just like built what was cool too is that when they did the biomes they they kept the appropriate animals in those biomes like it yep. was like mm. a lot of the fire based animals you found more so in like the deserts or like in the frozen wilds DLC like they were they were built those animals were built specific to those biomes and that was the intention with like the project overall like they like yeah. it is very clear that they were trying to do what was reflective of the actual natural rhythms of the earth um in in repopulation but uh the jungles i think specifically because they were so dense that they were almost creepy and that is what i consider a jungle to be like like the like the terrain itself and the dense forest canopy and all the vines and the sounds of like the bugs and the crickets and then all of a sudden you would see a stalker like disc on the ground where you were like oh shit oh shit (laughs) oh shit and then you know you turn and you don't realize that there had been right to your left and you'd set that off and it was just very very um kind of like claustrophobic but in like a really cool way like i don't know i just really love the jungle ones um 
All right, so I will say for that, for now, we're going to start transitioning into the story. If you do not want to be spoiled, I would say, hey, just, just like, fast, just take your little thumb on the, wherever you're listening on your phone, and just, like, fast forward to the end, and that way you can, it's a full listen, and that way you're done listening, right? <laughs> Don't just uh, leave. Make sure you yeah, give us the, uh... Give us the full listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I usually do sometimes if I'm, like, if I w- listen to, a, if I watch a podcast on YouTube, I'm, like, I feel bad because I want to, like, give them, like, the revenue on the podcast, so I just, like, just take my finger and just fast forward through the <laughs> <laughs> episode um but yes so we're gonna t- start talking spoilers uh but uh yes we're gonna go deep into that uh so i'm gonna take a pause in the action we'll go quickly to ads and we'll be back to talk sp- story spoilers what makes table party different from other tabletop podcasts the music the setting the characters the gore a bunch of different games the refreshing coldness of ice cream the 300-foot-tall squid named Delilah. The dice rolls. The horrifying body horror. The aroma. The suffering of my players. Dairy Queen blizzards. The luxurious plush texture. The free coupons. Bad decisions. And who can we expect? I'm Kelsey. I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. I'm Walsh. I'm Chris. Welcome to the table party. 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 All right, we are back. Let's go into the Horizon Zero Dawn story a little bit. So, yes, we ta- we kind of teased it already. Uh, with we talked a little bit about the project, and we'll we'll go we'll go into that lore a little bit more later. But to talk, I want to focus first on Aloy because she's this outcast of uh oh my god i'm gonna forget the tribe name already. nora the nora. Oh, the nora so she's she's this outcast that she she showed up at the doorstep of the cauldron suddenly one day and they were like as an infant yeah as an infant and so and they're like they did not trust it they felt like it was like some sort of like like weird like uh, human that was just produced out of nowhere and no one could trust where it came from so they're like they decided to outcast her and they uh one of the uh head people of the nora uh gave it to uh, a guy named rost who was also outcasted from the tribe uh i think by choice if i remember correctly if i remember that story correct um uh, yeah and it was also there was like some infighting with the matriarchs too like there were some that were skeptical of who Aloy was and felt like she was an omen but yeah. the one that you know essentially um advocated for her not to be killed or or completely just thrown out into the middle of nowhere advocated that ross take her because he was once a tribesman but currently outcasted yeah and and, uh, just to kind of speed along the story a little bit it it she ends up growing up with with ross and kind of learning just to kind of survive on her own and she I think that the proving was her trying to kind of get back in with the tribe, if my understanding is correct. Like, try to, like... Yes. So the yeah. proving is... The proving can be completed by pretty much anybody, both outcasts and children of the village. And it it solidifies you if you win as, like, a formal member of the tribe. Yeah. So she ends up training all her life to get to this point. She ends up being, like... 
I think when that's the the age that she is for basically the the main game, like she's like only like eighteen or nineteen, like she's. Super I thought young. I even thought it was like sixteen, but I don't know for she, sure. She might be that. Yeah, she's super young in this game, and so she ends up doing the proving, and but suddenly, uh, and, and also she discovers the focus, uh, which is like the device that uh, is like the earpiece that she picks up that ends up kind of like letting her see things uh like almost like an uh, augmented reality type thing that she can kind of activate to kind of see statistics on things yeah she uh, picked that, that up as that, a child as, as a child yeah so that's that's, that's just kind of like great reaching back to that what did you guys think of the scene that followed the proving because she ended up doing well in it aka we did well in it because we participated in it as her um but uh it she wins she wins the proving but then all of a sudden uh they start going after her or i think they're specifically going after her um well when you say the they they're yes. right so there's there's the um all of a sudden uh, the proving is just finishing and then suddenly i think an arrow or something comes through and hits somebody hits i think the main woman who's running that part of the the proving um and then descending upon is like a, this other group of of men um who are uh just breaking out in violence yes. on the kids who won the uh, anybody who's there that's a uh a nora uh person starts to be attacked helis hellas or hellas i think was his name uh that the guy who ended up attacking her um he also had a focus as well uh which was interesting um yeah and so yeah and basically she he almost ends up killing her but ross ends up sacrificing herself and kind of like pushing her basically off a off a ledge just basically try to like save her life um but then ross ends up kind of getting uh exploded kind of <laughs> just like casually kind of gets like blown to bits it's yes. fine yeah and uh we actually ended up talking about that in early game and coop um when we talked about uh, the relationship between Aloy and Ross, and you could go listen to that to go deeper into that, but um, that was, you know, that was her father figure. That was who she uh, had in her life, and not having that is kind of what ended up letting her be alone, basically, for the rest. What what was that moment like for you guys when you first experienced that? Uh, I'll start with Anthony there. So, I felt robbed. Um, because like in other games, you have this big triumphant moment and then you like unlock new skills or you unlock new gear or quests. And to see like the achievement literally melt away as this major conflict erupted definitely sent me for a spin. Um, and I think it was a really well executed moment because like in the matter of a few seconds, everything that you thought was important is just completely disregarded. You realize that the main quest that you need to pursue is different from what you thought it was. Um, and even though it make, made me feel really sad at the time, and it still makes me feel sad when I experience it, I think it was very well written. Yeah. What about you, Kels? Um, I was freaking devastated. Um, I didn't see it coming. 
Um, well, and also just like not to get too into it or too deep, but just prior to the proving, Ross lets Aloy know, you know, if you go through with this, just know that we'll not be able to talk to each other anymore because um, it's a rule in the Nora that any outcasts that the main tribes people aren't allowed to communicate with them or speak to them. Um, and so Aloy essentially says goodbye to Ross in the intention of going through this. I mean, she, depending on, you can make the choice on how you actually answer Ross, but it is made very clear that Ross does not intend to stick around and that he, you will not see him again. So the very like emotional fatherly role, the fact that he was watching extremely close by the entire time and jumps at the opportunity to help in any way that he can and try to protect her, even still, even knowing that she made that choice to move forward was just so, that's emotional. That pulls you in one direction. And then the fact that he is mortally wounded and then does whatever he can to get to her because she's mortally wounded and says, um, I think he's survive and throws her off the cliff and just just willingly wishes that she will survive this and makes that decision, that ultimate decision in order to try and attempt to save her life and that he won't even get to see what comes of that that he gets is just gone is just very it's an extremely uh whiplashy situation and extremely emotional and you're just left kind of empty (laughs) and robs as anthony said you're kind of just like uh what just happened and then are left to navigate the immediate scenes after that point it's just a very they they came in with the intention of being high octane and they they did it Yeah, it, it, it was it was definitely the first moment of the game that you're like, and although, granted, I knew that that was going to happen going into it because we had the conversation on the gaming coop about it, uh, but that's fine. It was early on enough in the episode in the, in the in the game where it's not like it's not going to be like a devastating spoiler. Yeah, uh, but it still was super impactful. Even knowing, like, I think having the context of knowing it was going to happen is was give gave me a different perspective on it where you every single moment that you saw her spending time with rost you knew it was going to happen eventually or and you get even more saddened by it because the way that i think that like he ended up really being it seemed it seemed like he was a really good parent to her to her Mm -hmm. and so it was it was kind of that like when you knew it was coming it was just like oh like this is a relationship that you felt like was really building into something. It was going to be interesting to see how a more adult Aloy was going to kind of treat Ross over the course of the game, but that ended up just being cut off. And I, I and you, and just to quickly note the that Ross, you know, kind of can still be part of the game if you visit his grave, uh, where Aloy can kind of like talk to him about um about just all the adventures that she's kind of going on, um. Which kind of forces the player to continuously mourn him also. Like, I think that we are normally given more agency over how we choose to react in, you know, death of a character. And then it's kind of finished and you move on. But the the game has an incredible way of maintaining its humanity in that you always have the opportunity to still continue mourning him um, in a very, like, specifically interactive way, which I think is important. Now, um... 
we are uh, running at very deep into the podcast, but I do, I do want to touch on the big plot, the big thing that I think that you end up learning about with this game, because I, and we can try to get into the smaller story details and stuff, and I, I'll gladly allow room for that. But I think the big thing that I want to touch on is Project Zero Dawn, which. It, this that when learning about this project it blew my fucking mind uh it, in terms of just the way that they went about introducing and slow rolling what the what it is about um and essentially project zero dawn was a uh secret project that was spearheaded uh by dr elizabeth sobeck um and it was a plan to basically try to restore life to Earth after it was eventually going to be destroyed. And the way that we end up learning about it is you are going through... There is one mission in particular that I will... I want to find the name of because to me, I, I like it was the, my favorite moment of the entire game. I think it was Deep Secrets of the Earth um, was the moment that it happened. Um and it was this scene of learning about how you you end up being introduced to the one of the military guys that was kind of put in charge of the one of the, the who, people who ended up kind of being put in charge of what element of the project who ended up telling people there is no hope we are all going to die and there's we it, it is just everything is hopeless almost like he basically set the grounds of just saying like because of the way that the world is now which had in in the previous old world they started creating these robots to kind of combat the dying of other animals because of global warming um but these robots ended up starting to, to turn on uh, on human civilization and they basically what this guy is saying is hey we we are going to we're, we're gonna let you know that like this shit's hopeless and we're all gonna die and we're not gonna be able to see uh what this world would be like with uh if we kind of try to are you talking about ted farrow i was it ted farrow there's another talking... guy okay because because yeah. because the the events of the world reaching a point that it's starting to end is that what you're talking about or you're gonna yes. talk about that later well, it, it all kind of ties together into pro- what Project Zero Dawn ends up being. But yes, you you could go ahead and, and well, make note just, of that. Just like so, so overall, like Elizabeth Sobeck was a um, a scientist, and she, I believe that her her focus was agriculture specifically. But she had so Ted Farrow was CEO of Farrow Automated Solutions, and he had built a horde of of what were called like peacekeeper military robots that ended up being licensed by the world's military uh and facility were built to look like animals specific to their regions and they were all given specific functions and they were mainly about trying to like aid civilization and support overall functionalities from anything from uh helping with like agriculture and building farms and 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 keeping people in supply of things to everything anything to get to the point of like actual military aid um but they um essentially get to the point where he has he built into the machines their ability to 
self-replicate and consume biomass as fuel. Um, and he lost control over them. And they ended up starting to consume the entire planet and stripped Earth of essentially all life. Um, and because it was, it became like a environmental crisis, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Sobeck was considered to be like the top professional in that field and somebody they felt could help. And so they, the military, I think it was the U.S. military, recognizing how dire things were, roped her in as looking for a solution. And she essentially said to everybody, we are not going to survive this. The only thing that we can do at this point is try to figure out a way for life to begin again because our life will end. Like we cannot right. – it is, it is at a point where it is not going to stop. So we need to – we need to figure out how to – when everything stands still, what plan can we put in place in order to begin life again? A big part of that was that when Ted Farrow created the militarized, um, autonomous, self-replicating doom bots, um, <laughs> he created them with military-grade encryption software. And in fact, I think it's beyond military-grade. So they were like trying to crack them and shut them off before they consume the world. But it very clearly became apparent to everybody that they would need hundreds and hundreds of years to crack them and shut them down. Mm -hmm. And they also were sending like people to the front lines to try and fight the robots, well knowing that they were essentially feeding citizens to these robots. So they were not, they was just yep. trying to buy time. Uh, yeah, I apologize for being incorrect earlier about it. I thought I th I thought that the part of it though was the fact that the that they were animals that were kind of dying off. They need to replace them too. Well, so they are the biomass. Yeah, that was uh, being consumed true. by the military robots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but but I I for to go off of that when you are learned about that, it was such a cool sequence because you there's a I think it I guess it could have been Ted Farrell. I thought I thought there was another character. That was like some sort of like head of the military type of guy. I'm gonna just forget his name. It's all right. That he that tells you that everything's meaningless. Nothing's gonna matter. And then you go through a room where you listen to different voice recordings of people trying to reconcile that. And you basically had a choice of whether or not you wanted to stay alive or uh and keep going deeper into the facility or basically be killed on the spot. Uh, through like just like yes. An so what you're so what you're talking about is they are you're talking about the point at which you were brought to a facility in the game in Aloy's quest to understand what was going on. It was like a military type funded base where they were bringing people. People were invited into the program to learn about what was happening. But when it was, you're absolutely correct. The voice recording was some general. I forget what the general's name is in the game. But General he, Harris. Yes. General Harris. But so he tells the people who are being brought in, he's like, you were brought here because we need people to help us stall while Dr. Sobeck is putting through whatever she's putting through. So you are being brought here to do this. You can either help us do this and stay alive as long as you can to try and help us, you know, stall for her. Or um, I forgot that they gave them the choice of like lethal in injection, but I believe yes. you, I just forgot that that was part of it. Yeah. Um, but essentially they started to try and 
amass together anybody they felt was capable enough to help them on the on the more technological back end to help save things. But as I said earlier, they also were recruiting huge swaths of military personnel all over the continent to try and put people on the front lines that were essentially just mowed down by these animals, but in a way to try and buy extra time. Because they were, yeah. I think that it was projected that they had like less than a year to tr- before all life would have been consumed by the time that Dr. Sobek was brought in. Yeah, and so that's was that was basically how you end up learning about it. And again, to me, was one of the coolest sequences in the game where you hear about it, that you learn that it wasn't some sort of bioweapon. Because you the whole time you're thinking it was this top-secret superweapon. You learn that early on, that that's what this whole... That was what Project Zero Dawn was. And that was not the case. It was the fact... It was just a stall tactic. It was just a stall tactic to end up building... Uh, what what the real project zero dawn was which was a intellectual unit called gaia um and it's essentially gaia was basically the main robot main ai i guess that was in charge of restoring humans and restoring uh well not not just humans everything well so project yeah project zero dawn was called a it was an automated terraforming system yeah in order to shut down the robots and restore life to Earth. Yeah, and so it had a lot of different subfunctions, but essentially, and they had someone that was in charge of each of those subfunctions. But the core of it was that Gaia and all these subfunctions put together would help bring Earth's civilization back long after everyone ends up perishing. Um, and uh, it was, it's really wild because this game was really about learning about Elizabeth Sobek. Which you learn is was actually uh, who Aloy, Aloy was cloned uh, cloned after, I guess. I don't know how, how the phrasing is. But she was basically... Aloy is the clone of Elizabeth Sobek. Uh, I, she was basically... And I think the reason why they cloned her was because she would have, I guess, the ability to access all of these facilities because of the way that yep. she looked and, she, and, and her and I think, voice like i think it was like voice. voice and face automated yeah so and so that all that and obviously it goes so much deeper we just i don't know if we have the time to really go into a lot of it also but. can i just retcon something really quick because i'm just realizing this as i'm sitting here sure the machines that were consuming all the biofuel and and were the military machines were in game the um the big black scary machines not the animals i misspoke the okay. animals that we are experiencing in game are part of zero dawn yes. they they were sent out in the different functions underneath gaia to as part of the auto terraforming system um and some of some of them did have some militant type of um functionalities just because of what would be required for setting up earth initially um but nothing like the consuming robots of ted pharaohs um which are like the big enemy robots that we see in the game i'm just forgetting their name off the top of my head but um yeah just to they're fix the what i said earlier they're the that was uh, their formal line. name right they're yeah. the there's Horus, which was the Metal Devils. Yes. The Kopesh, which were the Deathbringers. Yes. And the Scarabs, which were the Corruptors. Yes. Yep. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to clarify and correct that because yeah. I had misspoken earlier. 
no worries. Um, yeah, so, and really, um, what ends up being the main goal of the game is that ultimately one of these sub, one of these subordinate functions, Hades, uh, ends up kind of basically turning corrupt, um, and the corruption is being used by this group called the Eclipse, uh, to basically, uh, Hades was Hades the sub the initial use was for Hades was basically like if Gaia was unsuccessful in trying to get the get everything kind of properly set up and get the world set back to normal it had the ability to reverse all of it, its actions and basically to reset it it did um, controlled extinction is essentially yes. what its functionality was under Gaia. Yes. And they and do show you that it had to be used a few times, that it did yes. not go right, that there were several uh, incorrect moments in Gaia trying to get these systems correct. But uh, essentially it became corrupted that even when Gaia was ultimately successful, uh, it ended up trying, trying to start to reverse course and we end up learning that Gaia ended up self is destructing itself to try to prevent Hades from uh trying to uh be successful with that reversal. Um and the but the problem right now is that uh the the eclipse is basically trying to figure out a way to use Hades to their advantage. I forget for what reason. Um I think that they're just they just wanted to be greedy and use their their power of like have since they had the focus to kind of be able to target everyone and gather wealth and gather who you know, it's the eclipse yes yeah. so hades spoke to silence and promised him like all worldly knowledge or something so silence creates the eclipse as a militant group to try and uh get to the point where hades is allowed to re uh, resurface all of the pharaoh robots. Yeah. So silence but, is a tool that's being corrupted by Hades. But I'm not. I'm not misspeaking. Like Hades was corrupted, though. Like right. Like it, it's not like this is not what Hades was meant to be. Like ultimately, the, what Hades is whispering in that instance is that is that is a corrupted version of Hades, not the Hades that was built initially. That is my understanding of it, but I also don't remember. I don't think that we're actually given the answers as to where that original corruption occurred. Sure, sure, yeah. I think that that's something that's probably left hanging open there. But yes, and then and let's talk about Silence, because Silence you end up meeting about halfway through the game, and he ends up being this guide that seems to have betrayed the Eclipse and is trying to help you, Aloy, uh, try to stop them. Uh, but he doesn't really give motives. He's very secretive about everything. He's very elusive, very secretive. Yes. He's sketch. And He's like the the face of sketchiness. Yes. Um. And but he but he is like he he is helpful in at at times just trying to get you out of certain situations. Um. But yeah, I it, and I think that covers a lot. A lot that does cover a lot of the story. You end up, um, the shadow carja end up like. Uh, the Deathbringers, they end up kind of hijacking those Deathbringers to kind of bring this apocalyptic-esque, um, you know, storm to uh, the card, the regular Karja. Um, and 
uh and and it kind of leads to a series of events where hades is about to kind of be like resurrected and you end up kind of you end up fighting it and stopping it um in like in just a epic season series of events uh that ends the game um and the ending ending of the game uh during the credits i think or right before the credits post credit um, it's post credit yeah post credits is you see Aloy visit the, I guess the home or the, was it the home or the gravesite? I'm going to forget this now. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is, I thought you were going into the silence thing. Oh, we'll so, talk about, we'll talk about that. That's, I think I'm going to tie that to for, Forbidden West. Yes. Here. No, I don't know if this was before or after credits, but it definitely was amount, around then what you're about to say. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, but I think it was either the gravesite or the whole original home of Elizabeth Sobeck. Anth- as Anthony just said, as because anthony spoke yes it is both um uh because it is it yes you are being you are overhearing a story that dr sobeck because you unearth you unearth audio files at first throughout the game and you're essentially presented with the last audio file and she talks about a moment at which she accidentally sets a fire at her family's ranch and a, a moral story that her mother tells her. And throughout her telling that story, you have a montage of Aloy traveling and finding the Sobek ranch. I'm getting chills. Um, and go ahead. I just wanted to fill in the context of what no, it is. No, no, that, that, I think that's, that was really the gist of it. And it's just the fact that she ends up actually finding Sobek in that moment. Well, yeah, because Dr. Sobek, just... when she realizes that she's not going to be able to return to any of the cauldrons because she has to go, there's like a catastrophic malfunction that she leaves to go fix. And she is successful, you find out, because, you know, people are walking around on the earth as we're as we're speaking. Um, but she ends up saying they ask her where she's going to where she's going to go. And she says, I'm going home. And so she, you end up finding her body at the ranch. What's at left home. of it? Yeah, at her home. I'm getting chills as we're talking about it, like all emotional. Um, yeah. And I think that one of the most beautiful parts for me uh, in, in the game is that throughout the game, one of the things that you can collect and find are these um, flower patches that are like these triangular purple flower patches. And they are essentially in Gaia served the function of releasing um, initial terraforming in those areas to start life. Um, and you find Elizabeth essentially surrounded by those same purple flowers at the ranch. And so it's a very emotional thing to discover and find. And Aloy's essentially searching her entire game. Aloy's personal quest was finding her mother. Um, and so she kind of gets those answers, uh, at that point. And it's, it's, it's so good. (laughs) Anthony, what was your reaction to it? So... My reaction was definitely a, like, it's, like, a weird feeling discovering, like, essentially a parent that Aloy never knew that they had. And just unwrapping this giant narrative where you see, like, the forces of good and the forces of evil and a fight that they used to fight and how it's kind of become relevant to what you're doing now. And I think finding... Elizabeth's grave was kind of like a full circle moment and it just kind of brought this overall closure to the whole thing. It was almost like calming in a way, I guess. Mm -hmm. It was very sad narratively, but it was a beautiful moment and it kind of felt like 
the backstory is that Elizabeth sacrificed herself. Um, when they sealed away all of the scientists to finish developing Project Zero Dawn, the seal to their facility was faulty, and it could only be fixed from the outside. And so while everybody was bickering over who would sacrifice their lives to fix it, because there was a swarm of nanomachines that would kill you if you went outside, Elizabeth volunteered herself. And she had just enough time to make it back home to her ranch, and she essentially sat down and died there. So actually seeing the proof of who you were who you're based off of, the journey that they took, and the peace that they had compared to everybody else. It was very much, I guess, kind of like, I don't want to say justice, but you knew that she was an incredible person, and the area that she's in is so beautiful now. And if that's not like a metaphor for the game and all her efforts, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I... Like it was almost like you went, you got to learn the you you got to experience the story of two people essentially throughout, and it was the story of Elizabeth Sobek and the story of Aloy. That's what's so amazing about it because they are yes, you could say like well they are they're kind of like the same person and they are in a lot of ways and but genetically, uh, but like I also like just how. Aloy ends up being the one to kind of like save the day and uh at least for right now obviously we'll find out about Forbidden West but um you know and how Sobek was the one that kind of gave the world life and how Aloy is the one that continues that life uh is fighting to continue that life for many people it's just uh very poignant and extremely emotional and it makes me like honestly talking about it now makes me want to replay it, but I don't. I just don't have the time for that. I do want. <laughs> I just. I might just dive back into Forbidden West when it gets to it. But holy crap! Um, like, and just a big moment. The and I, I think really what it is is that it's like yes, like you. They are technically two different people. They are mm-hmm. under two different circumstances, but there is like something. It is quite literally that Elizabeth was inherently good Mm -hmm. and like literally down to her dna in the extent that a recreation of her follows the same path of being a leader doing what is good being like she is she is like lawful good like there is no like you cannot take that away from aloy or from elizabeth but it is essentially that you you're right you did learn about who each of them are But it's like you learned, you saw Elizabeth at her end and we got to, we got to know Elizabeth, Elizabeth at her end and how her story ends. But then we also, we were really just experiencing Aloy at at her beginning. And I think that that is a beautiful, I mean, the metaphors are in this game are just drenched in like birth, rebirth, death, generations, um, you know, passing things on to one another, what we imbue in ourselves, what's been imbued in us by, from our from our parents, um, just just absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous storytelling. 
Yeah. Um. I we initially had plans to talk about for Frozen Wilds. I think I'm gonna couch that just a bit, but I will say this about Frozen Wilds. Um. It does kind of introduce you as a good segue into Forbidden West, because I it, or at least at least that's what it seems. Because it talks about how a whole another subordinate function of Gaia ends up being corrupted in uh, Kelsey. You said the pronunciation before the podcast. I'm going to forget it now. Hephaestus. Hephaestus. I think it's pronounced. Hephaestus. Yeah. Um. It was a. It's basically the the uh being. It's the function that create that that actually is terraforming the machines at the cauldrons. That is what is the main function. But we learn that it is getting corrupted. Um. And ultimately, uh, that is kind of a foreshadowing. And Frozen Wilds is so good. And we and like if we do want to talk about it, like we could, I'm okay with talking about it. Just figured that we are running over, but um, it that is that that was such a good DLC and a really cool stepping stone, I think, into understanding like, oh no, it may not just be Hades. <laughs> Hephaestus actually wasn't corrupted. Um, this is a story event that's called the derangement and it's Hephaestus realizing that humanity is the biggest threat against the machines that it's lovingly creating. So Hephaestus was actually evolving machines with more offensive capabilities, which is why some of the animals seem militarized. Um, and that's why it seems intent on actually hunting and ending humanity. Interesting. I didn't take that away. I don't know why. Um, well, and also just like as a generality too, like in the game, you end up, you come into this area of the game, um, this most northern, very like Arctic uh, tribes people, and they have um, like, they're, they actually look different and they have like, they, they, they've so communed with the with the land and with the animals, but they also have like taken upon themselves where some of them actually have like tubing and stuff in their arms. And they make it a point to, for you to realize that silence looks like that. And he came from mm. here. Like they yeah. make it a point. And so silence essentially ends the game as the big bad. Um, because in the post credit scene, which is what I thought you were going to talk about before, um, yes. you see that Hades was not actually eradicated by Aloy, that it's still alive, but it gets trapped by silence. And he essentially alludes to the fact that he's going to like, what do you know? Like, like what, are, like he wants to interrogate it and find out um, where it's coming from and what it knows. So that leads us essentially into what can only be assumed as continuing events for Forbidden West. That, um, I, I think that, and that, that, thank you for correcting me. Cause I, I, this it is, it's so dense. Yeah. I played it. I played it. I played the Frozen Wilds like recently, but I only, I got through the campaign of horizon zero dawn in like a week's time, a few weeks time. Um, and in March and then didn't really touch it a whole lot. So I, a lot of things are, I, a lot of things are me just trying to read up on them and remember. So I appreciate the, the, the notes. And I think that, that, that does intrigue me though, that it's not a corruption, that it is just the machines just getting smart and saying like, you know what? Humans are a threat to us and we need to kind of try to eradicate it, which then I think does transition us into horizon for and West. What does that mean for the rest of these, 
uh, subordinate functions because one thing that I know with with the trailer and I noticed was how it almost like looks like the the nature like the flowers uh on the in the ground are actually the things that are starting to corrupt the earth um and i think that is hold on a second i think that's Ar- artemis Artem- artemis 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 i think that's artemis then uh that's doing that then and that and to me i'm like holy shit so we have all these fucking <laughs> functions of gaia that are turning on humans it's not great <laughs> I mean, and that's that's considering that that what we are seeing, that's only what we already know. We could yes. end up finding out new things in the game that show yeah. that there are other functions at play that we weren't privy to. Yeah. What what is for you guys your hopes and maybe just predictions for the game? I'll start with you, Anthony. So, I have three main predictions, but one is how beautiful the game is because what they've shown of like the tropical setting with the beaches and like that kind of biome, I could not be more excited for it. It feels like we're taking a vacation. (laughs) Yeah. But onto my predictions. So the first prediction is there is a sub routine of Gaia's called Poseidon, which was specifically to purify the water. I think that is going to play a major role at some point in this game, likely as an antagonist. Really? Two. Yes, I think so. Because the other machines have been slowly learning that humanity is a threat and Gaia seemed like the glue that was keeping them focused. I think that we're going to see, especially now that Aloy can swim, I think that's going to be a lot more relevant this time around. Yeah, I could see that. My second prediction, Hades' goal was to reactivate the robots from the chariot program that formed the Pharaoh Plague. We fought two of those, which was the Scarab, which was like the whip-like corruptor, and the uh, Deathbringer, which was the Kopesh, kind of the big industrial one that walked around and shot missiles. The third one we've only ever seen corpses of, which is the Metal Devil, which was the one that climbed mountains. When it was made, it was meant to break through fortresses. I think we're going to fight one of them. Probably. I'm so stressed out thinking about it. (laughs) I think that Hades and Silence are going to partially reactivate the um, arsenal and that we're going to have to deal with that. So... That's my second prediction. Yes. And my third and final prediction. Elizabeth Sobek reached a point where she separated with Pharaoh once he started making military machines. And she formed Miriam Technologies, which was focused on green robots and kind of bringing the Earth back from global warming. She had to abandon this company to start Project Zero Dawn. But I predict that Miriam Technologies is going to come up and play a significant role in the next game. Very cool. I forgot about I, Miriam Technologies. I, yeah, I completely forgot about it myself, yeah. What about it, you, you find a mug. Like, they tell you about it, but then you also find a mug in the a, game. And that's a, like the an ancient vessel. 
Yes, an ancient vessel, which is a Oh, mug. I forgot that they refer to it as that. Yeah, yes. so, like, you do, like, they, they have little pieces of it, but I think especially because they made it, I think that especially because they made it so clear that Aloy was, is set on consuming as much as she can about Elizabeth, um, based yeah. on how the game ended, that I feel like in the time between, I have no idea if there will have been a time of peace between the end of this game and when she realizes that the corruption is still ongoing. Um, but in the event that there is, I would imagine that she would spend her time trying to do what she can uh, still for the people around, but then also like in trying to give a better understanding to her about her origins. So um, I think that that's a very, very good prediction, Anthony. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I completely did not. I completely. I don't even know if I even processed that thing existed. You, so you kind of, you again, you have this thing where you speed run when you don't think you're speed running. So it is yes, very yeah. possible that you missed I might have it. skipped it. Yes, that's fine. Um, okay, so um, I am really looking forward to further interpretations and representations of different cultures. Uh, it was very, very clear that in this original um game that they were in touch with uh indigenous and aboriginal communities um especially those found in the americas um and and all the ways that they allowed that representation to come through in these uh tribes in the game and also something that we didn't touch on just really quick um Part of Gaia was that humans were to be born through these machines again, and they were supposed to be able to start where we left off. They were supposed to begin yeah, and be and be raised with all the knowledge that we had at the time that we were killed. But um, Pharaoh, the lovely man that he is, um, made the extremely nihilistic decision at the 11th hour to completely destroy the program that had been designed to teach the new humans, which was called Apollo. And then he murders the rest of the people involved in the Gaia subsystems before the whole thing just goes to shit. So that is why they, they are starting in a place where they've gone to their roots and had to begin at a very, um, base level of communing with the earth and starting uh and and creating societies out of this kind of um indigenous way of life which is interesting actually just real quick because i a fucking leftist and i can't help myself that's almost kind of like a critique in that like i don't think that they probably intended it this way necessarily but that almost makes you feel like they they're saying that indigenous societies are lesser I, and I don't think that that was their intention, yeah. but as I'm as I'm reflecting on it right now, it, it has that little bit of a tinge to it that like, oh, they yes. were they didn't get to have all this intelligence. So they just started as tribe people. And that's kind of like that's a very harsh wash that I'm giving it. But at the same time, I'm just it's currently I'm reflecting on it in a little weird. It seems weird right now. But anyway, yeah, I regardless. know. I, 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 know I, I think I think it's worth noting that like I, I've I've, I've kind of said that there is a parts of this game because it feels a, a little bit, weird. It, it, it's, it, it's a little uncomfortable. There's a bit part of this game that's a bit uncomfortable seeing like especially like people that are that you could consider like white in like. Well, they are. I mean, Aloy the, the, the is white, is a white tribe. redhead, yeah, and she's yeah. running around as a tribeswoman in a very indigenous setting. And that is a yes. little, it's, it's uncomfortable it's to jarring. digest. It's they jarring, they yeah. do their best to give it as much context as possible. But even then, it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems it's strange my, it's been, it's in reflection. It's my only, like, huge 
that nice. yeah it's, it's my only problem with the game really. I don't know. it's just like but, it's, it's, it's something uncomfortable about it but, but I, I, I think that it's so interesting that um and perhaps it was just a way of showing that like these were the natural way that the things were always going to go and therefore that's how it went and hopefully these cultures will continue to thrive and exist um and hey there's no more christopher columbus so hopefully they're not going to be colonized by anybody and they'll be able to just continue that way of life um and that will be perfectly fine and perfect um but i i think that if there are other i know that at least some of the previews that there were um nods to um chinese culture um specifically the chinese dragon at one point was shown and i think that that's if they're going to go into further interpretation and representation of other cultures i really think that as long as they do it in a way that is um respectful and appreciation as opposed to appropriation then i'm all for it um but i'm going to be watching with a very critical eye to ensure that nobody does anything fucky wucky because we are in 2022 and they better fucking not um also dinosaurs are going to be a thing apparently because in some of the previews it's no longer robots that are like based off of animals that we had at the time of all this being created, they are straight up pterodactyls and triceratops in, in some and of mammoths. the, and, and mammoths uh, in some know, of the previews, which is very interesting to me. And I would be curious to know if those were created at the time of the way that Gaia was being created and everything, or maybe they're part of the Miriam project. Now that Anthony brought it up, maybe this is something True. that like Elizabeth decided to do uh, as a countermeasure or, or something that she did originally, and then that was what inspired her to do some of what she did in Horizon Zero, in, in Project Zero Dawn. So, who fucking knows? But um, the environments, as Anthony mentioned, I'm really looking forward to the swimming. I think that the beaches looked gorgeous. Um, the diverse ecological areas were so rich and representative in the previous game that I'm so excited to see what they're going to be doing. Also, I thought what was interesting is that it appears in the trailers, there is still some climbing and mountains and things going on, but there, it, it felt like that was such a thing that happened in the first game, like this ascension and this climbing and reaching new heights that I love the fact that it appears that there's going to be so much more deep diving quite literally and like figuratively in the second game that we're going to be going deeper as opposed to higher. I love that that's what the, where they're seemingly going with it. And I hope that that's true. Um, I predict that there's going to be more human fighting in, in this next one. And that mm-hmm. it felt a little human heavy in the first games also, but specifically, uh, I was watching a, one of the trailers, I think it was the cinematic trailer, and they were talking about this, I I think, they want, I want to say her name, they called her like Regala or something, but Silence essentially seemingly has coerced somebody else to do his bidding, um, where she, this is woman who's leading like a, a complete military regime to quote unquote slaughter all those who have who have wronged her is how they say it in the trailer um and the person Yikes. who's speaking he actually says in the west war is rule and peace is the exception and i'm like oh okay <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool 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 <laughs> um so so that seems i think that that's going to be coming more into it and then also i loved in the trailers that you saw that erin and varl are back at least those yeah. two it looks like they also introduce another um 
character that I'm really excited to see who they end up being. Um, but possibly my most favorite and most exciting thing that I saw in any of the trailers was uh, Varl, Daddy Varl with the big, big beard. He looked <laughs> absolutely ravishing. And and I think not just being a thirsty bitch, it actually to me looked like this may be implying that some time has passed between the end of and even if they do in real time like say i don't know how many years it'll ultimately end up being between the release of the game three yeah. years i don't know but like just sending you guys this comparison he looks great i mean the beard just does it but he also looks <laughs> like he actually looks a little bit older too though like his, yeah. his around his eyes looks more weathered like it is it is clearly varl but it is clearly an older varl and so like he <laughs> and i don't i i don't know if they're i would like for them to bring some sort of romance to the game um, I don't know if it needs to be that they, like, a classical romancing of characters like that, which you see in Mass Effect, but they did allude to it in the prior game. Aloy remained completely neutral, and there was really no pursuit of anything, which is completely fine, and I will not be upset if they continue to do it that way, but that would be a little fun. At least the option. Sure. The option yeah. would be cool, just like an extra layering of Aloy, where, like, as she becomes more comfortable in who she is... And more comfortable with the idea that she's no longer, like, this forbidden outsider. That I feel like for her to build a family of her own, I think would be really cool. Especially because, like, that was the whole point of which of Dr. Sobek's reflections in the end. Where it was like, would you, did you ever have children? Would you have wanted to? And she was like, yeah, maybe. Like, I wish I kind of always, I kind of had dreamed about having a daughter. And then that's when they show you the reflection of Aloy, like, in her suit. And that's yes. a very poignant and heavy moment where, like, I feel like, you know, Dr. Sobek lived her life largely alone. It seemed like that she was so invested in the things that she was doing and the places she was going that I would like for Aloy to be able to take a minute to form, not necessarily have children, not necessarily have a deep romance with anybody, but just create a little bit of a family for herself that has otherwise been taken from her at every level, um, I think would be really cool. But, you know, whatever. Varl has a beard, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that matters. I, I, I'm not as deep with the predictions uh, as you guys are um, on this. I, I think my only... My hope is I I just loved the all the different elements of exploration in the game. I really hope they keep on building on that. The... Uh, the glide, the glider that they had added for the explorations. Oh yeah, so I forgot about that. Fun. Oh my god! And then like they showed the combat being, uh, kind of what it, it looks like. It's uh, the combat's being enhanced. I hope I I hope they stick with story mode. I would be shocked if they get rid of something like that. Uh, because that matters for me as someone who's not big into combat, just kind of wants to enjoy the story and also just enjoy exploring the world. I would imagine that does stay in place. Um. But um, who knows? Weird things happen. Um, I love and I I uh, made note of it on on Discord. But I I very much am looking forward to the sights and and the sights of the game. I I think the sight of the Golden Gate Bridge, or at least what we were thinking, is the Little Gate Bridge and like the buried um 
the the the, tra- the trams that are in San Francisco, uh, like the buried version of those. Like there that, is definitely, turbid- and I think that it said San Francisco it. on the building, so I think that you are. Yes. Like, yes, that is definitely yeah. going to be part of it. Like, that, they, they actually turned those trams into homes because they were yeah. buried and looked like they were, like, shelter almost. I, it is, uh, it's going to be a, uh, a wild ride. I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. The, I, in terms of predictions, I do think it's going to be more of these different parts of Gaia, um, being, you know, either turning evil because of something because of the humans or turning evil just on their own uh against the humans i i i i'm very curious to see kind of how that continues to unfold um i think it is going to be really interesting to see how they do blend in uh, all the different cultures and different elements of the game that kind of continue to build that story i wonder how aloy's story continues really is my biggest interesting point because i feel like they did such a good job tying so much uh, into Sobek in the first game, I wonder how they kind of continue Aloy's story and even even Sobek's story to an extent. Like maybe Anthony said, um, it could it could be through that other and, project that she had. Yeah, and I, I think that that's I think that Anthony bringing up Miriam is like totally now. I'm distracted. Like that is I'm like <laughs> oh my god. I wonder what they're going to do with that. But also to mm-hmm. Anthony's point and his credit as well with bringing up Poseidon. Um, I felt like when we were seeing the trailers that like red viney type stuff on the floor that she seemed to pick up while the animal was dying and seemed to like they seemed to be like almost pointing towards that as being like an invasive plant almost. That's, um, yeah, that's what I was making note of. Yeah. yeah, but I it reminds me of seaweed mm, in the way yeah. that it looks. It looks like a type of kelp or seaweed. So, so I would be I would be curious. That's really interesting if there yeah. if it's that it's coming from bodies of water and like invading as a way to try and like extinct bring back extinction to eradicate and start over again. Like if Hades is choosing to go that route. But we could be way out of line too. Like we'll have to see what they do with it. <laughs> yeah, I, and then, yeah, we see we've seen trailers of the, like, the deserts and stuff, and like there's other there's other biomes too. Like I'm curious, like how. It, what what in what ways like those things uh may like impact those biomes as well like uh it's definitely gonna be fascinating i love all i've i've we've seen like the turtle machine we've seen the mammoth machine uh i'm sure that there's gonna be more sea creatures uh that we'll see as well like it's it, there's so much here that's gonna be so fascinating to follow um uh, one other note, the, the most recent news about this game, which I thought was really interesting, was that Carrie Ann Moss and Angela Bassett are, are voicing characters in this game. Fantastic. Which I'm like, which I'm like, okay, sure, like just keep on building up the cast because they already have uh, the guy who voices Silence. I forget his name. Um, who voices who voices Silence again? What's his name? Oh, I know. He also voices somebody in Destiny. Yeah. Ah. God, he, he, he like he's a notable actor. Lance Reddick. On... Lance Reddick, that's it. Um, and then of course, like Ashley Birch coming back to voice Aloy, uh, who did such a good job last time. So I think it's, it's funny a... that it's Lance Reddick and that they chose to name Silence's weapon a lance. Like it is, ah. it is. But I, th- I think it's funny because I'm like, I feel like they, I, don't know, I feel like it was like a little Easter egg, but maybe not intended. Yes. Maybe so maybe, he wields a lance. His color is red, and he's a dick. So, Lance Reddick. Wow. God damn it. Also, Angela Bassett um, 
voices the big bad lady that apparently doesn't want peace and wants to eradicate everybody. So that's fun. Oh, shit. Okay. There you Just go. Just saying. All right. Well, I think that covers... Is it's gonna have other... to because we're turning into a full coop. I know, I know. Any other <laughs> thoughts you guys have for for the for for this game and for both for either game? Any thoughts? I don't think so. We can always do a follow up when we get to actually when we get to play. Enjoy some delicious us. gameplay. Yeah, can't wait yeah. for the weapons. Yes. Yes, yeah. I agree. Definitely. I hope they let you carry over some things if they were to include them, like that that armor. The energy cell armor, the shield weaver. I kind of hope that they let you carry that over because that would suck. Because you worked so hard to get that. Yeah, I I want I do wonder if anything about your previous save would you could could you carry over? I would I would be curious about that. I don't know if it would be that kind of game though, but we'll see. Well, folks, thank you all so much uh, for listening. We'll be back uh, in a few weeks with a formal coop, and in the future, you'll be seeing more mini coops. Uh, maybe one, one, maybe the next one might be all about catching them all. If you get my drift. Um, anyways, thank you all so much for listening. Game on. The Gaming Coop is brought to you by Team Chaos Productions. Follow us on Twitter at The Gaming Coop or follow our other work at Team Chaos Pods.